Have you ever had to make a tough life decision? Like get married, have children, move to another state, change jobs, attend a new church? You know, the list goes on and on. So where do you go for the answers to these tough questions? This episode of the Dad of a Dozen podcast will tell you what the Bible says on where one should go for the answers to these tough questions. Welcome to the Dad of a Dozen podcast. I'm your host, Doug H., and I'm so glad you joined me today. So let's get started. Last week, we talked about debt, how we get into debt and how we get out of debt, and I listed some steps on how to to do that and what you should do. But today, I'm going to go to a different direction and talk about counsel. And did you know there are some benefits that we receive for seeking counsel that the Bible tells us about? The Bible says there's that we receive benefits from seeking counsel. And one of them is we receive wisdom. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who seeks counsel is wise. So we are considered wise when we seek counsel. We receive wisdom. Proverbs thirteen ten also reads, By pride comes nothing but strife. But with the well-advised is wisdom. So the benefit of receiving counsel is wisdom. We get wisdom when we're asking people, the right people, for some counsel. And two, our plans will succeed. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. So the benefits for receiving counsel are wisdom and our plans succeed. It's pretty simple. Bible says it. It's true. So this is going to be on counsel and there's benefits for it. And so since we have benefits, what keeps us from seeking this counsel? If we receive these benefits of wisdom and our plans will succeed, why don't we seek counsel? So here's a Here's a few reasons why some people don't seek counsel. One, it's pride. Obviously, it's pride. I don't need the help. You know, I can do it myself. I know what I'm doing. I got YouTube. I can just look it up on YouTube, and it can tell me exactly how to do it, the part I'm going to need, and the tool to use to get it done. So I don't need your help. I can do it on my own. So pride comes in, and we say, eh, I don't need your help. Okay? The second one is stubbornness. You know what? I just don't want help from others. I can do it, and I could probably do it better than you. So we're stubborn. We don't want the help from others. And three is fear. We're afraid to ask for help from others. And I'll tell the reason why we're we're so afraid is because we don't want to look unintelligent. Could you imagine going to your neighbor and asking them how to do something and then they looking at you and go, really, guy, you're what in your 40s and you don't know how to do this? Ha 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 ha. They start laughing at you. So you're afraid that you're going to look unintelligent if you ask for help. But I think we need to get over our fears. We need to get over our pride and we need to go over our stubbornness. And the reason I say that is because I have a story about me personally getting over my fear of seeking counsel. 
because I'm one of those guys that I just don't like to ask for help. I don't know why. I just I just don't like to go ask for help because I think I can do do it myself, and then I don't want to feel like I'm unintelligent, so I don't go asking for help when I need it. But I did ask for help on this one issue. We had a water heater at our house go out, and I don't know anything about water heaters. All I know is that they heat my water, and when I turn on my spock, my spigot, hot water comes out. That's all I know. But anyway, our hot water heater went out, and I called uh, a company, and I asked them, I said, hey, how much would it cost for you to come out, take my old hot water heater away, and install a new one for me? And obviously, there's four or five different types of water heaters that you can get. And I said, dude, I just want the basic one. How much would it cost? And he said, oh, about 900, 950 bucks is what it's going to cost you to get the water heater. I thanked him. I said, okay, thank you all. Think about it and I'll get back to you. Well, then my wife, here's one person that we can get, our, get counsel from. We can get it from our spouses because usually your wives give you some really good counsel. And well, she did this time. She says, hey, why don't you contact Mr. Tom, one of our neighbors? Because Mr. Tom... He's a maintenance guy at a local hospital, and he does this for a living. He knows water heaters. He knows how to, to fix a whole bunch of things. So just talk to him and ask him about water heaters, and maybe he can help you with it. Maybe he can give you a, a good deal or tell you where he, you can go to get a better deal than 950 bucks for a new water heater. I said, all right. So I took my wife's advice, and I gave Mr. Tom a call. And so I asked him, I said, hey, Mr. Tom, do you know anything about water heaters? Duh, he did. I, I knew he did, but, you know, just being nice. And I said, hey, do you know anything about water heaters? He goes, yeah, why? What's up? I told him my situation. I said, our water heater went out the house, and, and I just need to get a new one. And I was just wondering if you'd be willing to help me if I went to buy it, if you'd be willing to help me install it. And he said, yeah, I have no problem. I'll be more than happy to help you install it. But you know what, Doug? I got something better for you. I got a deal for you. I said, okay, what's this? He says, I, I just went to a garage sale, and they had a 50-gallon water tank, a water tank, in this garage that I just picked up for free. It's in my garage right now, and I just have it in case my water heater went out. But yours is out. I'll give it to you, and I'll even install it for you. And I said, wow. I said, that is cool. So obviously I took him up on it. But my point is with this story is if I didn't get over my fear of asking for help, then I would have been out 950 bucks for a new water heater. But because I, I got over my fear and I asked the right person, I got his counsel, I got a free water heater, and he came over and helped me install it. Now, I don't remember how he did it, I'd probably have to call him again if it ever happens again to the water heater. But at least he came over, he helped me out, he gave me a water heater. And obviously I thanked him for it and, and I, we bought him a, a gift certificate to a local restaurant so he and his wife could uh, have a nice dinner on us because of his kindness. But it only happened because I wasn't afraid to ask. We need to not be afraid and ask counsel, especially if we don't know what we're doing. We need to ask because if we try to do something without asking for help, sometimes we mess it up even more than if we would have just asked in the first place. So don't be fearful. Don't have pride. Don't be stubborn. Ask for help. And especially 
ask help from your spouse because sometimes they have some really great ideas on where we can go and get some some help. Also your parents or your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, your brothers, your sisters, your moms, your dads. Those are some good places to look for advice. I've been to my dad many a times for advice on certain things when it comes to cars or even a house, uh, things that I just didn't know or was never taught. I asked him about it and he's given me advice. And my kids have come to me for advice and I've given them advice. And so we need to be able to speak to our spouses and parents and grandparents for advice. Okay. And so the, another question I have asked to ask is, should we look to the Bible as our counselor? We're looking for counsel, right? Should we look to the Bible for counsel? And you know, Doug, duh, this is an easy question. Yes, we should go to the Bible. Yeah, you're right. We should go to the Bible. And here's why. Because in Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. So basically, the word of God gives us direction to live godly lives. So that's where we need to go for spiritual wisdom. Okay, it will lead us in godly living. And I'm going to use a flashlight as an example of why the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How many of you have gone camping? And when I say camping, I don't mean in a motorhome and I don't mean a pole trailer. I mean camping it, roughing it in a tent. Okay? You, all you have when the lights go out and the fire is gone is your flashlight, right? And so it never fails. It never fails. As soon as you lay your head down, you or one of the kids, uh, I need to go to the bathroom. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so what do you got to do? You got to put your shoes back on. You got to grab your flashlight because if you don't have your flashlight, more than likely you're going to stumble over a, a rock. You're going to stumble over a, a root. You're going to stumble over something. You might even hit the picnic table because it's dark out there in the woods, right? So you take the flashlight and you light it in front of you so you can see where you're going, so you can see the obstacles. And the same way is with the Bible. The Bible is that light that will direct us in this dark and sinful world. And we need his word to guide our lives so we can bring him glory so we can see where our sin's at, where we can see where we need to go. And that's why the Bible is very important, and the Bible should serve as our counselor. Also in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, he says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we need to go to the God's word because it's inspired. It's good for teaching and correction. And in, it tells us, it gives us instructions in righteousness to live a righteous life. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it over and over again. We were bought at a price. And that price was Jesus's death on the cross. He paid for our penalty of sin. And now that he did that and we trust in him as our savior, we as Christians need to live lives 
that are well-pleasing and honoring to him. And so we need to go to his word, and that is what will guide us, because it's great for that. Also in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the, vi- to the division of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the word of God gives us our moral compass, and it will equip us for every good work. And the word will also convict us of our sins and how we can be forgiven of them because we sin daily against God. Every day we sin, whether we say something, we see something, we think something, we do something. So we sin every day and we need to know how to be forgiven of those sins. And the word of God does that for us. It is our counselor. So the, so the Bible is very important for us to turn to for, for guidance in this crazy, crazy world that we live in, especially now with this, the times that, are, that we're in now. So we, need, we definitely need to be in God's word. And I hope that each and every one of you has a reading plan where you're in his word daily. And if you are a family, I hope that you would read the Bible together as a family. And I know our family, we read the Bible every single day. Every single day. If we miss a day, we catch up on the, on the next day. But we usually read three chapters a day. We start in Genesis, and in December, we end in Revelation. And so we go through the entire Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. And we've been doing this for 20-something years. So over the last 20-something years, we have gone through the Bible 20 times. Not, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying, I'm humbly saying this to you that if you are a father, a dad, and a mom, and you have children, I think it's really important for you guys to have family Bible time where you're reading the Word of God, maybe even doing Bible trivia, maybe doing some sword drills. Sword drills are cool. That's where you take the Bible and you hold it above your head because the Bible is the sword. The Word of God is a sword. And so you hold that sword up above your head, and then you, as the dad, you find a Bible verse, and you say, okay, it's John 3.16. John 3.16, go. And guess what? The kids then will have to flip through the Bible, and then the first one to find John 3.16, and they cite it, and they quote it, guess what? They get a prize. Throw them a piece of candy. That's what we do in our home. Obviously, we don't do it every single day, but just out of the blue, we just say, hey, sword drills, let's go. Before we start our Bible time, let's do some sword drills. So that's why it's important to be in, in the Word of God daily because it, it just directs us in righteousness. And we need to be totally focused on God for our entire day, and that's why it's so important to be in God's Word. Okay? So be in God's Word. He's a good counselor, and that's where we need to go is to the Bible. And when we read the Bible, guess what? The helper, the Holy Spirit that's indwelt in every believer, when you put your trust in him, the Holy Spirit indwells you. The Holy Spirit then will lead you into righteousness. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful thing. So if you get anything out of today's lesson about counsel, go to the Bible, read the Bible, and take his word and read it. And apply it and let good things happen to you because you're in his word every day. Okay? So with that being said, can I give you an example from the Bible when godly counsel was not heeded? 
Okay, so we're, I'm telling you to go to the Bible to get godly counsel. But was there a time when in the Bible that godly counsel was not heeded? And there is one example, and that is in Joshua, Joshua 9, chapter 9, verses 1 through 15. I'm going to read this to you, and I'm just going to give you a real quick synopsis, and then I'll read it to you. It says, so while Israel was conquering the promised land, all this land was given to the children of Israel, to Moses, and saying, I'm going to send you to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and I'm going to take care of all the inhabitants for you. So that way, this is your land. I'm giving it to you. Okay? But when Joshua led them into this land, there were some people there called the Gibeonites, and they made a peace treaty with Israel without asking counsel from God. I'm going to read it to you so that way you know what I'm talking about. And Joshua, prior to all this, he was strictly instructed to destroy all the inhabitants from the land because God knew that if they didn't destroy all of the inhabitants, that somebody, and it was these Gibeonites, they were a godless people. And over time, God knew this, that over time, some of the children of Israel would turn from God and turn to idols. And that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly why God told Joshua to destroy them all. Because he didn't want his people to fall into idolatry. Because he wanted his people to follow God. But let me read this to you. Let me read you Joshua 9, 1 through 15. And I'll, this is why, this is what happens when you don't take godly counsel. Chapter 9, and it came to pass when all the kings who were on this side of the Jordan, in the hills and in the lowland, and in all the coasts of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard about it, that they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua, to the camp at Gilgal, and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country, now therefore make a covenant with us. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you and where do you come from? So they said to him, From a very far country your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Shehan, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who was at, who was at Ashtaroth. Therefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions with you for the journey and go to meet them and say to them, We are your servants. Now therefore make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it's dry and moldy. And these wineskins which we filled were, uh, were new. And see, they are torn. And these are garments. And our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. Verse 15, So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. These people heard about 
everything that Joshua and the people of Israel were doing, how they were wiping out all the kings of this land. These guys didn't want to be annihilated. So what they what they do? They lied about who they were, where they lived. And Joshua did not ask counsel from the Lord. And so what happened is over a period of time, these people turned the children of Israel's heart away from the Lord and turned it on to idols. And so we too can fall into sin when we do not seek godly counsel for our spiritual lives. And that's why it's so important to be in God's word daily. I know I just said it, but it's so important to be in his word daily and to seek his counsel in prayer. In prayer. So I have some questions to ask you. Is Do you have a regular routine for reading God's word? How often do you read his word compared to watching your favorite TV series? Do you put more time in to watching a show than you do God's word? Do you only open your Bible on Sundays? I mean, only you can answer these questions. These are tough questions. These are really tough questions because most people don't spend that much time in God's word. There's some people that just go to church on Sunday and that's the only time they open their Bible. And once they close that Bible, they leave the building. It goes back on their bookshelf. It goes on their desk or it goes wherever they put their Bible. And that's sad because that's where we get our counsel from. So let's not be like Joshua. And Joshua was a great leader too. And he just had a, a flub up here by not going to God and asking counsel, okay, what should we do with these guys? Are these guys legit? Do we make a treaty with them? Or do we annihilate them, Lord? And I bet you, if he would have done that, God would have said, no, Joshua, you need to defeat these people. Okay? So that's just one example where godly counsel is not heeded and eventually they turn from God to idols. Okay? And so whom should we avoid as a counselor on spiritual matters? And so we know we're supposed to go to the Bible. We know that we're supposed to go to godly people to get advice from them about moral living. But who should we avoid for our spiritual matters? Okay? Psalm 1, 1 through 3 reads this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or the wicked, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So we should not take spiritual advice from the ungodly or the wicked or a fool because a fool is someone that says there is no God. And we are not to walk in the path of sinners nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but we are to delight in the law of the Lord. That's who we're to avoid as counselors are the wicked, the ungodly. And a wicked person is one who lives his or her life without regard to God. They have no desire to trust God, and they don't even know him. And so why would we go to somebody that doesn't even know God and try to get spiritual counseling from them? 
That'd be like me taking my car to a jeweler and asking the jeweler, hey, what's wrong with my car? Or vice versa, taking my diamond ring to the mechanic and saying, hey, bud, how much is my diamond worth? The mechanic's going to look at you and go, I don't know. I'm not a jeweler. I'm a mechanic, dude. If you bring me your car, I can tell you what, what's wrong with it. But how much that diamond's worth, I have no clue. Why don't you go to the jeweler down the road, pal? That's what it's like. So we should avoid counselors that are wicked, especially for spiritual matters. So for to avoid those kind of uh, counselors for our spiritual matters, then when is there a time that a believer could receive counsel from a non-Christian? What do you think? When can we receive counsel from a non-Christian? There's times. How about your TV repairman? Do they even have, wait, wait, TV repair, do they even still have those? I think we live in a, such a society that if it breaks, you just throw it away and buy new, right? I'm just, I guess I'm just old school because if my TV broke, I'd, have, I'd call the TV repairman. But anyway, I digress. TV repairman. Uh, it's okay if they're not a Christian to go to TV repairman. It has nothing to do with my spiritual walk. Maybe I shouldn't even have a TV in the first place. I don't know. How about a painter? So if you had a painter that wasn't a Christian, does it matter? All he's doing is painting your house. Does it matter whether he believes in God or not? No. You'd obviously you'd want to give the job to a brother in Christ. You want to you want to help out your your fellow Christian if they if you knew a, a Christian painter. But do they have to be a Christian? No, not necessarily. How about a plumber? You have a a sink issue or a toilet issue, and does the plumber have to be a Christian? No. How about an electrician? No. Mechanic? No. Doesn't have to be a Christian. But if you knew a Christian that was in that profession, you'd want to give them the work. But these are places where you could receive counsel from a non-Christian in some of these. But even if you don't go to a Christian plumber or a painter or electrician, you're still responsible for making a well-advised decision. So you may not want to hire a certain person to paint your house, but it's okay if you do. But you're, you're still responsible for making that well-advised decision. So when it comes to, so when it comes to counsel, so for counsel, we're to not seek ungodly counsel or from the wicked for spiritual matters. And we are to heed the counsel of the Bible for our spiritual maturity. That's where we're to go. And that's the counsel that we're to go to is the Bible. And that's what the Bible teaches. Go to the Bible, go to God in prayer and ask him to give you wisdom to make the, the right decision on any topic, on anything that is going on in your life. Go to God first. Go to God first. So that's about counsel. Okay. And last time I talked about this crown money map, this road to true financial freedom. And we talked about destination one, and that was emergency savings. We needed to create a budget and a spending plan. So you're going to tell your money where, where it should go, and not the other way around, and to save $1,000 for emergencies. I don't know if I was clear enough about, about this fund. It's in a savings account, and it's used for emergencies only. And what that means is if you had an emergency, flat tire, you had a leaky faucet or a roof, and you needed to get that fixed, then you would use it from your emergency fund. 
Okay, you'd use the money from the emergency fund to pay for it, but then you'd have to pay that that fund back because you have to at least keep a thousand bucks in there for for step number one. Okay, so that's if you ever have to use that money for an emergency, you always got to pay it back, so you can always keep a thousand in in your your destination. So you get this done. Okay, you've done it. You're on a budget. You've saved a thousand for emergencies. What's step two? Step two is this one: credit cards paid off. This is the time that you will pay off all your credit cards. However many you have, you're going to pay them all off. So if you owe anything on a credit card, this is where you're going to have that pay back all of your credit cards. And then you're going to increase that $1,000 for emergencies to one month's living expenses. So what does that mean? In your budget, if it's going to take you $4,000 to pay all of your bills for a month, that's how much you need to have in your savings as an emergency fund is one month savings. So we're going to increase it from 1000 to whatever it is for one month's living expenses. So that way, if anything happens during that month, you've got the money. But remember, if you ever have to use it, you've got to pay it back. That's the point. You've got to pay it back. All right. So destination two's credit cards paid off, pay them all off. Start off. I don't know how long this would take. This may take two, three months, four months, depends on how many credit cards you have and it depends on how much your, your monthly living expenses are. So that's destination number two. Next week, we'll get into destination number three when we talk about honesty. Next week, we're going to be talking about honesty. Ooh, another tough topic. Here's a question to get us started into the, to getting you thinking about next week. Are you completely honest in all areas of your life? Think about that. Have you told a little white lie? What does the Bible say about it? So tune in next time to hear what God has to say about honesty. You'll be really surprised to see what God, what God says about honesty. But again, if there, you have any questions about anything that we've talked about today or in the past, feel free, feel free, please, to email me at dadofadozenkids at gmail.com. I can even send you the crown money map if you want to. If you just want to talk about something, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you guys and see what you're, you're thinking about all of this, all of these topics. And it's nice to, to interchange with the, the people that are out there listening. But again, if you want a copy of this or any of the debt items that I talked about, please email me, dadofadozenkids at gmail.com. All right? So with that, that's all I have for today. But let me leave you with this, these wise words. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. May the Lord bless you and keep you till we meet again.